Welcome back to what will soon be a monthly podcast with our current schedule. And today on Thick Man Inc., we have much to discuss involving the state of the NFL's best and worst teams. But before we get to any of that, I'm going to do a little housekeeping here. Now, most of your dear viewers know that we, in fact, have a TikTok. Shockingly enough, we talk about sports on there as well. And recently, Tristan has been getting absolutely cooked for some of his takes. Now, that happens to me a fair amount of time, too. But the big difference is my opinions are clearly trolling and designed to piss people off. Unlike me, Tristan actually believes what he is saying. So I'm going to get a quick rundown on three of his most recent takes, which I may or may not agree with. No, 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 hold on, hold on. (laughs) I don't want these long, five-minute, drawn-out response. I just want these little quick 30 to 45-second responses in order. I'm going to cut you off if you start going too far. Are you ready? I just want to say, you hide some of your bad takes behind, oh, it was just a joke. Yeah, I hide them behind the satire tag, but are you you ready? Sure. Alright, starting things off. You said the Seahawks should consider trading Russell Wilson. I said they should consider trading Russell Wilson given the circumstances of their division. The point of the video was not to say they need to trade Russell Wilson. He's injured. He needs to be out of Seattle. It was just to merely point out that the Seahawks have been on a constant downward spiral. Their roster is only getting worse. They've handed out massive contracts already. They had to pay Jamal Adams because they gave up so much again. him. They paid Russell Russell Wilson a massive bag. They paid Tyler Lockett Wrap a bag. They're, they're going to have to pay DK a bag, and the rest of their division is getting better. So that is why I said they should consider trading him every season they're falling behind the rest of their division. This season is now lost due to his injury. I was simply merely saying it should be something they could consider. Trading the next five years, they're not winning their division. is a wild thing to consider. But next up, you said the Bills had not looked impressive after four weeks. The Bills then shellacked the Chiefs, which we'll be talking about later this podcast. You, well, they do not I mean, like that one. They are absolutely cooking you presently for that one. The Bills fans seem to be very upset by that one, and they clearly lack any critical thinking skills and the ability to listen to what I actually said. Losing to the Steelers is bad, and whoop de doo you beat the Dolphins, Washington, and Texans, and you beat the Dolphins and Texans by a lot, score 35 and 40 to 0. All I was saying is, they beat really bad teams, don't anoint them as Superman yet. All right. And then they beat the Chiefs, aren't the best team in the AFC. But finally, and the one that I may agree with the most, you are still on your campaign about Daniel Jones being a bad NFL quarterback, despite the Giants faithful seeming to do a 180 and now fully supporting the D-man. What are you even talking about? I mean, you're still you're saying just Daniel... You're making this one up now. No, no, you were still saying Daniel Jones is not a great NFL quarterback. The Giants faithful have rallied around Daniel Jones and are singing his praises. You have still not gotten back on that hype train. I'm well I'm not on the hype train did he have his best career game ever against the Saints yes but one game does not like represent the entirety of his career where he still has as many turnovers as he has touchdowns basically well it seemed to represent his entire rookie season when he had one or two good games but that has been what Tristan has been getting absolutely cooked about if you are watching this let us know what you think about those spicy opinions in the comment section below finally on to the real podcast topics so the Kansas City Chiefs are struggling. They were just humbled by the Buffalo Bills after being humbled by the Chargers, after being humbled by the Baltimore Ravens. Now don't get me wrong, the Bills are a great team, certainly the best in the AFC, maybe in the whole league. They've got statistically the best defense and are led by the future MVP Josh Allen, so they were going to give the Chiefs a real fight regardless of how good they were, but the Chiefs have some real issues, and those issues are clear. Their O-line lacks the required chemistry to protect Mahomes, and their defense is one of the worst in the NFL. And this is an example of why 
winning a Super Bowl can sometimes cost you. They paid Mahomes, they paid Hill, they paid Kelsey, they paid the Honey Badger, and they paid Chris Jones. That's a whole lot of paying, particularly for Jones and the Honey Badger who have not lived up to their contracts so far. Now, the Chiefs can either soldier on with what they've got this year and try and get by on high-end talent, and they certainly could do it. If they do that, they're going to win 10 to 12 games and probably make it in the playoffs. But if they want to go back to being contenders, probably not this season, but in the near future, they need to adopt something that MLB teams do. They need to sell at the trade deadline. They need to ship off Daniel Jones and Tyron Matthew for what Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones, excuse me, Chris Jones. They need to ship off Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew. Daniel Jones on the mind. Daniel Jones on the mind indeed. But they need to ship them off for whatever they can get in terms of defensive help and draft picks. And with that, they need to invest in an offensive line and in defense in free agency. Having those two big contracts off their boards will help them in both. And doing that will make them a contender again, but I just don't see it happening this year unless they make some phenomenal moves to the deadline. I mean, at this point, the Chiefs are a mediocre football team i'm just gonna throw that out there for these bills fans the bills have yet to beat a team this year with a winning record they haven't really even beat anyone yet the chiefs don't really count as a good football team at this point the chiefs were missing chris jones in this game but that doesn't take away from the fact that the chiefs defense is terrible it hasn't been good when chris jones is healthy and the bills basically did whatever they wanted to against the chiefs if you're a good football team you move the ball up and down the field against this chiefs defense they are terrible i think this game says a lot more about the chiefs in general and a lot of their deficiencies on the offensive side of things i think glide Edward Hilaire just isn't as good as many would have thought he would be in that offense when he was drafted. I mean, there are a couple guys drafted after him. DeAndre Swift is one. I cannot think of the second one, but there's one other one that was drafted after him that most would say is clearly better. And when it comes to their offensive line, uh, Isaiah mentioned some of the offensive line deficiencies. That offensive line has a lot of big names from Joe Tooney, who I believe also got hurt during that game, to Orlando Brown, to Trey Smith, who was drafted in the sixth round and has looked probably like the best offensive lineman on that line I feel like and they just don't play together as a unit from that game what I think we saw is a big problem with the Chiefs in general is because their defense is so bad that offense is never able to get into a rhythm the Chiefs aren't going to be able to win football games this year unless they put up 30 points plus I mean when they're playing the Ravens another good football team they put up 35 and still lost the game so when you play the Bills who are a good football team they have a good offense they have a good defense and you only put up 20 there's no way you're going to win the game and the the Chiefs defense letting the Bills go up and down the field on them. Josh Allen was running QB power all over the place and throwing lasers down the field to Stephon Diggs. He does that to most teams. (laughs) Especially teams with a bad defense. You're just not going to be able to keep up and you're going to be forcing a lot of things you may not have if you're not behind the entire game. And they mentioned this on the broadcast briefly, which is true. The Bills were playing pretty basic defense. They were letting the Chiefs take things underneath if they wanted it. And then, which is, this is the Chiefs' fault. They were forcing stuff because they felt like they had to keep up. So I think this game really says a lot more about the Chiefs not being as good as we may like to think just because they've been to the Super Bowl the past few years. And I think it just affirms that the Bills are a good football team, one of the best in the AFC, clearly a top three, four team in the AFC. Like, there's no team in the AFC which is better than the Bills. You look at the Ravens game and you look at the Bills game. Chargers ain't in the conversation, buddy. Trust me. 
they're not in the conversation. The it's okay, but we the Ravens are in the conversation. Yet. But a, you just heard the Bills fans are crucifying you as they should. But that's just how no, your opinions work. Like too. the fan base, you make a terrible take, which you run to do, or you make a reasonable take, not want to do so much. But you piss the fan base off. The fan base comes at you, and then you hate that fan base forever. It's kind of how you feel about the Steelers, honestly. And you'll get over it eventually, or maybe. But you I was right I about care. the Steelers. Hey, the Steelers are kind of banged up and old, but you will hate that fan base forever. But we are not going to keep talking about banged up AFC teams. Instead, we are going to talk about an NFC team. And coming off one of the most devastating injuries in football history, Dak Prescott has led the Dallas Cowboys to a 4-1 record. Their one loss coming on opening night to the defending Super Bowl champions. This team has the most complete set of offensive weapons in the league, has the elite offensive line, which will keep Dak's surgically repaired ankle safe. And their defense, which was the worst in the NFL last season, has taken leaps and bounds forward through great signings and draft picks. They have all these amazing traits, so that raises the question. Are the Dallas Cowboys finally contenders? The answer, hell no. They don't have a shot of making it to the Super Bowl. They don't have a shot of making it out of the second round, if we're being honest. And this isn't to talk down on the Cowboys. They're a good team. But there are three monsters in the NFC right now, which they're not getting through. Like, if things break perfectly for them, they're going to have to play at least one in the playoffs. In all likelihood, to get to the Super Bowl, they might have to play all three. But they are simply not better than the Buccaneers, Cardinals, or Rams. All those teams have comparable offenses to the Cowboys and much better defenses. With the exception of the Buccaneers, but they've got the whole Tom Brady thing going for them, so... I will not bet against them in the playoffs, but nevertheless, the Cowboys are a good team. They'll be a four or five seed. They will make some noise in the postseason. It might even be a three seed, but it makes me happy because when America's team succeeds, America succeeds. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, Isaiah, you're making me feel kind of sick to my stomach having to somewhat defend a team that is my favorite team's rival, a team that in general I usually despise. And this is the first year in a long time that I've had any serious type of confidence in an NFC. East team to be a serious threat to other playoff teams. The Cowboys can really hang with anyone. This season, they hung with the Bucks in week one. They beat the Chargers, who are a very good team, and they are handily beating the teams that they should beat. They beat up on the Eagles, took care of business with them, and they beat the Giants badly, and they made easy work of the Panthers relatively. And the Panthers were regarded to have a very good run defense. Undefeated they ran at that for point. like two what? Undefeated at that point, by the way. The Carolina Panthers. The Panthers? Undefeated 3-0 going into that game. And they ran them up and down the field with Zeke. But I think they had over 200-plus rushing yards against the defenses giving up 45 a game. So they've done in every game what you would expect a good team to do. They hung with the Bucs, almost won that game. It was week one, so a lot of weird things happened. And you can't take as much from week one as you can week five, or then even week eight, or then even week 13, where you really know a team's identity. But in every game they've done what you expect a good playoff team to do and I think moving forward their defense creates a lot of turnovers you got to give that to them and Micah Parsons has looked like the right draft pick and I was wrong about some of the concerns that Micah Parsons had so I think you're also wrong about Zeke let's not forget that he's still got that burst in him oh he well he regained it looks like he may have regained some of that burst but their offense could put up points with anybody and their defense if it's at least average they can hang 
they can hang with any team in the NFC and in the NFL, quite frankly. Now, the Giants fan in me is going, I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl. I'm a kind of a Cardinals fanboy on the side besides being a Giants fan and a Kyler Murray fanboy. So I'd like to see the Cardinals make that big push. And I think, like you said, don't bet against Tom Brady. So I wouldn't necessarily lean for them to make the Super Bowl, but I think it's it's kind of crazy to deny what they've done so far. I'm not denying what they've done so far. They are probably the third best team or the fourth best team, excuse me, in the NFC and will be a three or four seed because two of those teams from the West will uh, cancel each other out and make one go to the wild card. But to say they're going to beat a team like the Buccaneers, like the uh, Cardinals, like the Rams in the playoffs, their defense forces turnovers, and that is an important stat. But you look at the points given up and the yards given up, they are gouged early and often. Some of that is due to their explosive offense being on and off the field pretty quickly, but no, the Cowboys defense, and really I know he's won a Super Bowl, but Mike McCarthy also isn't the best head coach, easily the worst of the coaches of those four teams. I just can't say they're going to make a playoff run. I think the second round is their upside, maybe an NFC Championship game if things break just right, but no. I I don't necessarily think they're going to make a run, but I think, like, I'm not predicting that. But I think they're definitely a threat to every team at any moment. Like, it's not like I'm going into a game thinking, oh, they're going to lose this game. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a good game. The Cowboys are going to compete and it's going to wind up being close, even with the Rams, with the Buccaneers. You don't go into the game being, oh, the Buccaneers definitely got this, personally, I think. Yeah, I go into that game saying, yeah, the Buccaneers definitely got this because playoff Tom Brady, but it also helps the Cowboys that they play the Chiefs and they play the Cardinals. Those will be good measures of how good they actually are, but other than that, their schedule is very weak. The Raiders have fallen apart. Saints aren't that good. Their division's terrible. Vikings are bad. Like, they Another are Another reason they may, they may grab a higher seed than you expect. They're not getting the first round by one way or the other, I will say that, but I'm happy the Cowboys are doing good. You're probably I'm not. not. But I know something which will make you happy. Let's talk about the Giants. You can go ahead and lead this one, Tristan. Well, talking about the Giants doesn't necessarily make me happy just because they are a pretty bad football team. It's not the greatest time in Giants history to be a fan of the team. And going into the game against the Cowboys, I knew they were going to lose. And the most painful part of this loss is that literally every player on the Giants offense that mattered wound up getting injured. Saquon got injured on like the third play by Jordan. Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis just, you know, I I kind of feel like there he might have done it on purpose, but he kind of just waltzed into Saquon, uh, sprained his ankle pretty badly. He was done for the game. Never really got to even have a chance at affecting the game. Then at some point in the game, Galladay left with a knee injury. Didn't really even notice it happened because he's being paid way too much by Gettleman to have Kadarius Tony be a better receiver, Shepard be a better receiver when he's healthy. And then, you know, there's John Ross who randomly shows up and scores a touchdown sometimes. And then Daniel Jones during the game got a very bad concussion, helmet-to-helmet contact from the Cowboys DB, and his head is plowed into the ground. So, it, and even Kadarius Tony, who's a bright spot of the game, banged up his ankle. I think maybe he's been dealing with a little ankle injury, but I don't know. It was just depressing from that standpoint that even though I felt like the Giants never had a chance, I then watched every player on that offense who mattered and would have had any chance of putting up points. They wound up getting injured. And then I had to watch Mike Lennon of all people go in the Mike game. Mike Lennon is the passes. best quarterback the Giants had in the last five years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The Mike Lennon is such a bum 
And it's so boring watching Mike Glennon. No one wants to watch him play. I don't care. He's an NC State product. I just don't get why the Giants have such a boring fucking quarterback who's played for like 30 teams as their backup. Like, make it someone more exciting at least. That way you can watch exciting losses. Translation, sign Cam Newton so you can watch him underthrow, exactly. overthrow, and miss receivers. But didn't you have something pleasant to talk about in terms of this game? The future of a certain young man on your organization. You want, oh, you want me to talk about Kadarius Tony? I would now, love you to talk about Kadarius Tony. Now, Kadarius Tony, he has made me the one bright spot uh, in this Giants organization. And it's given me very, I've made a TikTok about this. It's given me eerie vibes in a remembrance of what it was like when Odell was a rookie in Odell's first three years. A receiver on a, keep in mind that Daniel Jones left this game early. Saquon left the game early. So Kadarius Tony was really the only productive player in that offense. And Galladay got injured at some point. So he was the only good player on that offense for the majority of the game. And it felt like watching Odell again. Kadarius Tony balled out first of all his routes are way better than i think everyone expected his ability to make plays after the catch is what everyone expected he makes everyone miss he's extremely explosive and it was a big breakout game he had 189 yards and it just reminded me the odell situation a really good receiver young receiver on a really bad team who happens to also get really emotional decides to throw a punch at a player odell you know he punched the kicking net he proposed to the kicking net he launched himself at Josh Norman. Yeah, Josh and then, Norman you know, is a better target of that violence than the kicking net here. That's an actual example. But and then there's some then there's some also weird similarities where they're both also 5'11. They both played in the SEC. They both play for the Giants. Their quarterbacks look almost exactly alike. So there's a bunch of similarities between the two. They both had their breakout games against the Cowboys. They both didn't play the first few games of their NFL career due to injuries, or in Kadarius Tony's case, somewhat due to injuries, somewhat due to the fact Jason Garrett's incompetent and you know i just see a lot of similarities here tony is the only positive thing going for me on the giants right now i'm gonna just take that away from you right here so to compare Kadarius tony to odell beckham jr feels like you are setting yourself up to be disappointed odell beckham jr was more athletically gifted than Kadarius tony he could jump higher he had better ability to change directions he was a comparable route runner he was clearly a better player as a rookie he put up 1300 yards in 12 games currently Kadarius tony is on pace to put up just under a thousand Kadarius Tony has yet to catch a touchdown pass. Odell caught 12 as a rookie. Is Kadarius Tony going to be good? I don't know. I hope so. I don't like rooting against young players unless they do stupid stuff like punch opponents. You like way. rooting against he my players on my team. He certainly had a good game. Grant, it was mostly against a second or third string cornerback, but he did something which was very impressive on Sunday. There are not many men in the world who put up 180 yards in an NFL game. But what you're doing right here is singing his praises and even mentioning the greatness of Odell Beckham Jr. You are stewing what you did with Daniel Jones as a rookie. You are overreacting to a good game against a terrible defense. Not terrible defense per se, but the things of that defense which are best don't really affect Cordarius Tony. If if the ball gets out, but don't compare him to Odell. Don't do you that. See, to but this don't is where your hurt ma- your own heart. This is where your math goes wrong, Isaiah, because he is in fact on pace for. Assuming that this ankle, whatever he, however banged up his ankle is nothing and continue to play through it like he has been. If you take the last two games, which is when he's actually been used, and you're probably factoring the fact that he played against the Broncos and the Falcons. He and played he wasn't every single game games. of the season. He wasn't used in those games though. And once he finally started being used, he was used in the Saints game, had six catches for 78 yards. And then he was used in the Cowboys game, has 10 catches for 189 yards. So if you take that average, and then you know how some games where 
only a 60. Of some games where he's 140 in. But if you take that average, it puts him at over 1,600 yards over the next 12 games of the season. So he's going to get over 1,000 yards this year. You are just trying to maneuver the stats by in games he didn't even play. He played every single game this season. That is not also, true. let's talk about this. He has to go up against teams like the Rams. You think Jalen Rams is going to let him have a good day? I don't think Jalen Rams is going to let him get a catch if he gets locked up on that side. Panthers have a good secondary. He's probably going to have a good day against the Chiefs, let's be honest. But look at their schedule. He's got to play the Chargers. He's got to play the Cowboys again. This time he's going to get number one priority wide receiver coverage. The Eagles have Darius Slay they're going to jack on. The Bears defense is still solid in terms of the personnel. I'm sure Washington's going to find someone to stick hey, on hey, him. Hey. He is not going to have a great Odell-like season. Clearly you like hating on greatness Isaiah. I'm not hating so on greatness. I'm hating on the New York Giants. There is a massive difference between those two things. Let's revisit Kadarius Tony and his level of production. You know, let's revisit in six weeks after that Eagles game and see where he's at. So we're you know, going you- after the Eagles game. Can I say it in five or seven weeks? What do you mean in five or seven? Let's revisit in five weeks. No, no, no. Pre-Thanksgiving. We are going to revisit it pre-Thanksgiving. Because with six weeks, you know, we get bad Eagles defense in there. You get the good Rams defense. You get... The, oh, the Buccaneers should, you know. The Buccaneers know are either going to stick Sherman on them or they're going to stick the guy from Clearwater Blue Mountain State on them. 200 yards every game for the rest of the season. So he's going to wind up breaking the receiving record if we're being honest. He's more likely to put up less than 200 yards for the rest of the season total. But enough of that foolish conversation. Let's talk about something important. What is your preferred French fry shape? Oh, uh, I don't know if there's a preferred french fry shape. I would say the type of fries I prefer the most are like fries that are like Five Guys fries. That wasn't a question. Like it's a weird question. I don't know. Like, do you want standard? Do you want thin cut? Do you want thick cut? Do you want the ever sexy waffle fry? What is your preference here? Fries that are like Five Guys fries. I don't so know So you want you. a nice standard cut in your fries. Five Guys has pretty standard shaped fries. Would you agree? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're a fucking idiot. Let me tell you why. You are valuing the exterior of the fry far too much. The best part of the fringe fry is that hot, succulent potato on the inside. And that means the best fries, clearly those thick-cut steak fries. Those things are a thing. You bite into one of those, you are having a good time. You are getting all the Christmas you need from that skin, the little crunch. Then you're getting all that potatoey goodness. You are a standard born. I would have accepted waffle so you could walk on the wild side, but if you think the best type of fry, your favorite type of fry is a standard or a thin cut fry. If you enjoy McDonald's fries, you are a sick individual and should be put down. But steak fries like the kind <laughs> you get from Red Robin, those are the superior fries in my opinion. The correct. My favorite, I, I mean, I don't really, I never eat McDonald's, so I, I can't say I ever get their fries. And I, I mean, I really don't eat, even go to Five Guys maybe once every few months. But their fries are clearly the best and I think most people would, or those type of fries are the best. Well, and the places that make their fries like bag. that, and they put in the tender, loving care that fries deserve. Those are the best fries. Five Guys spits close. on their fries. To say they are made with tender, loving care, just because you can see the potatoes as you walk in the restaurant, Tristan, doesn't mean they're much better. They're not better at all. That is an elitist standard. But no, thick-cut fries are the best fries in the world. To say anything else, ridiculous. You're a clown. You're a stooge. That has been our podcast this week. Let us know what you think down in the comments below. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And if you somehow have not heard of our TikTok, give it a look. It's in the description.